0: Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. It's been a year and a half since Dimitri Mayex joined the IPG Media Brands Initiative as global CEO, and the agency has already redesigned its processes and teams around integrating what he calls fame and flow. In other words, building brand love and recognition while creating seamless customer experiences. Mayex, who was previously global CEO at Reprise, has been an early adopter of AI, hiring a chief AI officer in early 2021 before ChatGPT was a blip on most people's radars. He's now thinking about how to apply the technology across people, processes, and products that enhance initiative, services, and client outcomes. In this episode, Mayex also chats about major trends he's watching in the media space and touches on the right balance between pitching and organic growth amid news of a major Amazon review on which initiative is the incumbent. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, Editor-in-Chief of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Dimitri. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Doing well. Thank you for, for joining me today. Last time I saw you, I think it was when you had just started at Reprise, and it was probably you know, before the word pandemic was in any of yeah. our vocabulary. So <laughs> it's nice to see you again. Yeah. How have you been
1: on the last five years? Doing,
0: <laughs> doing well, doing well. Good, good. I'm more interested in you though. So you, uh, it's been just over a year since you were promoted to the global CEO of Initiative. What has the past year been like for you? What were some of your big focus areas coming in? And what do you feel like you've you've really been able to accomplish?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's been a pretty pretty busy year. As I started with, with Initiative, I obviously knew Initiative quite well from from working together with Initiative when I was at, at Reprise, uh, and I always, um, you know, I had a soft spot for it. So I was very excited to be able to to have the opportunity to, you know, uh, lead Initiative into its next chapter. Um, and um, yeah, so so you know, started obviously initially. Getting to know the company a little bit more, the people and then the clients as well. But uh, very quickly, um, you know, we, we sort of set out an agenda to to look at the the offering and the product, and really have a have the opportunity of the moment really, and have a think about um, uh, what what the vision for the company is for the next couple of years. Uh, because obviously, as we just talked about, the world has changed quite, quite, quite a lot over the last couple of years. Mm. And so a couple of things came out of that. Um, we, you know, I, I think there was an opportunity for initiative to, first of all, you know, maintain what's special about initiative, be very mindful of that, which is, you know, its creativity, um, its, um, its ability to, uh, you know, make brands stand out in culture. And then its DNA, which is real, you know, uh, f- even from before I joined the initiative. You know, you can always tell when you're in the room with somebody from an initiative, shit happens. There's, there's a sort of a, a DNA about the people and, uh, and, and it's a special place. Didn't want to lose that. Um, uh, so, 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 so that's the first thing. The, 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 the other thing is there was an opportunity to better connect performance marketing um, uh, to, to the story. Um, and that's obviously, I mean, I, I would obviously go there given my, my, my background in performance marketing as well. But do it in a way that is really nicely balanced. I think that's really important. Um, uh, so, so, so that was, that was really, really a big focus. And then it's about, you know, thinking, thinking, what a, what a, thinking about what a media agency, you know, can deliver in, 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 this year, right. And, and going forward, cause our industry is changing obviously pretty dramatically. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, so those were sort of the, the big priorities.
0: Yeah. So talk about the performance piece. I know obviously your background is in performance. Um, what were some of the things you wanted to better connect in Initiative um, from a performance perspective.
1: Well, I think it's I think what clients are looking for today is a is a more balanced kind of offering from a media agency, right? Like um, I think it's important to have specialties, but I think it's it's even more important to be able to pull these together um, and orchestrate all the capabilities that a, that a modern media agency needs to needs to deliver for clients. So, so I think that that's basically what we wanted to do. We wanted to to, to make sure that we plugged in the capabilities of Kineso Right as it, as as, mm-hmm. as, of, as of last week, they integrated performance capabilities um, of media brands into 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 initiative, and that that works at a number of levels. Uh, first of all, at the offering, right? So we need to have a more balanced offering. Our offering was about cultural velocity, which was very focused on brand. We completely rethought our offering, uh, which is now about fame and flow, which is very exciting. It's kind of like it's really all about the balance between building brand fame and customer flow. So that's the first mm. thing. The second, the second thing is, is is changing the craft structure of initiative and making sure that performance marketing is, a, is, a, is an official craft of the company uh, and not just an add-on. And then the third thing is building sort of an operating system that allows these things to, to work much, much more closely together, right? So that's what is the planning process, um, how do the teams work together and even to like details of how do target how are targets being set and how do you set kpis that incentivize collaboration so uh, mm. so we, we we really tackled it at, at all those uh, f- f- we looked at it from all those different angles
0: yeah and you sort of alluded to the reorg that happened last week or or was it 2 weeks ago i don't time yeah. is time is a yeah, construct yeah. that sometimes <laughs> Um, but so basically that news sort of put all of the technology capabilities of IPG Media brands into one group to support the agencies, correct? So how does that yeah. impact initiative and how you go to market with these capabilities?
1: Yeah, I mean, th- frankly, that was announced last week, but it's been a it's been a journey that's been in, you know, we've been on this journey for for a very long time. I actually even mm-hmm. even when I started at, at Reprise back in two thousand and 19, Last time we met, um, uh, <laughs> uh, we <laughs> a, a lot. You know, back then the 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 main mission uh, for for Reprise was also to better integrate um, uh, the Reprise offering with the agency. So it's something we've been focused on for a very long time. Um, that accelerated um, last year. Um, when structurally we started to break down the silos between what was then Reprise, Matakind, and Kineso, um, and, and much better align them um, to, the, to media brands. Um, and, you know, that's been the work for over the last year, right, that I've described, like really working hard to integrate these capabilities within, within, within the agency. So I'm, I'm really excited about it because I think we've got a phenomenal technology capability. Um, I think now we're able to move much faster, um, the, the capabilities because it's more aligned to the agencies, much closer to the clients as well. Um, so we can we can we can iterate faster and 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 basically you know meet client needs in in, in a much more agile way.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's a similar reorg that Group M just underwent a couple weeks before IPG Media Brands, where it's sort of like you know putting these powerhouse performance capabilities together on the back end and then clients can access them through the agency doors. Talk about like why that's the right approach uh, sure. versus just having them sit directly in the agencies.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's benefits of scale. If you look at performance marketing, you know the the future of performance marketing is very much technology driven. I mean, frankly, the f- future of media is technology driven, obviously in general, but 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 especially in performance marketing, right? Um, and 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 there you benefit from having a central technology capability that's very much aligned to what performance marketing needs to needs to deliver, and that empowers basically all the agencies. Um so, so I think that's the that's the big driving force, right? It's um you know it's it's how do you find ways to standardize how you do performance marketing campaigns, how then once you standardized, how do you you know automate some of the more manual tasks that are that are that are happening in performance marketing. Either through technology that you build yourself, or through the technology that the platforms are building, you know, and they're, they're constantly, obviously, evolving as well. And how do you, how do you basically just push really, really hard on that? So it's it's going to become much more of a technology play um, uh, go, going forward. So from that perspective, it makes complete sense. Um, now, I think what's important is is to make sure that in this race to streamline automate and make everything much more technology driven, you don't lose the art of performance marketing. Right. And, mm. and, and that is much more about, you know, sort of managing the algorithms that are delivering in a strategic way. Right. Mm. Um, uh, so I think that that's going to be the battleground for, uh, for performance marketing over the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. I guess like if, um, if all the agencies have the same performance marketing capability, how do they differentiate, like within the group? Yes,
1: yeah, so I think I think from a technology perspective, there, there will be, um, you know, the, the, the platforms are, are 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 very similar, right? Like we're all we're all mm-hmm. executing campaigns on the on the same on the same platforms. Um, I think it's the agencies that will do best from a performance perspective are the are the ones that that don't just take platform best practices for what they are. Right. And that find ways to, it's not gaming the algorithms, but it is a little bit like making sure that, that our clients budgets aren't run by the algorithms that are owned by the platforms. Cause they, um, so, so it's, it's, it's all about basically creating your own best practices not algorithm best practices. It's about creating a knowledge base that allows you to, through experimental design, you know, sort of game, game, game the algorithms. As we talk a lot about, you know, mm-hmm. don't let the algorithms run you, you got to run the algorithms. And that's that's sort of the future of performance marketing in many ways. So that's from a pure media mm-hmm. perspective. Um, but I think performance marketing is much broader than that, right? It's not just about delivering the right sort of last impression. Uh, performance. Mar- there's a creative side to performance marketing as well. The role of content in performance marketing is huge, right? Um, mm-hmm. That hasn't changed since the early days of direct marketing. Um, you know, content has always played a very important part in delivering effective performance marketing. So I think there's still a lot of room for improvement there. And you know, how do you integrate the creative capabilities of a group within performance marketing? Uh, so these mm-hmm. two start to work together much more, much more seamlessly.
0: So it's basically that human strategic layer on top that differentiates.
1: Well, it's both, right? Like you got to be flawless. You got to be flawless in operations. You got to. You got to. Technology will continuously push you to do things better. um, As well, so you got to be really good at technology as well. And then you know there will always be room for human, the human in the loop, um, and for creativity, Mm -hmm. right? And that's that's what we can bring. Yeah. But it will, mm-hmm. it will alter the chain, the way we, we engage with clients. No, no doubt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like in what way?
1: Right now, most agencies are still people first, right? You, you think about what mm-hmm. we deliver to clients are, you know, are, are talent solutions and it will be a combination mm-hmm. of talent technology and then obviously access, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about clients. Um, it just broke last week that Amazon... Put its media business into review. That's a big client of initiatives. Um, you know, they spent twenty billion dollars on advertising and promotional activities last year. Are you defending?
1: Well, I, I can't. I can't really talk about the Amazon one, uh, Allison. Uh, I mean, I don't have anything else to, to comment on other than what was described in the in the news. Yeah.
0: Okay, fair enough. I had to ask.
1: Yeah. Um, well, well, you yeah. did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you did successfully defend the account three years ago. Um, and I was looking at, you know, Initiative's agency performance review profile that we wrote last year. And you defended, you had 100% um, defense rate in your pitches. So you, yeah. I mean, retention rate. And you had 11% of your client base up for review, which is pretty hefty. So talk about like just balancing the strains of pitching. Like if you have clients that are putting their account into review every three years, like Amazon um how do you manage that while also servicing your your existing client base um yeah that's
1: kind of like that's the art of, of running an agency right just balancing those two I, <laughs> I i don't think those two are ever trade-offs in an agency you always have to pitch I don't, and uh, you know sometimes you get ceos that say this year we're not going to pitch because we're, we're too busy i think that's just you know you can never do that as an agency because Stuff always happens, right? It's always in flux, so you always have to be pitching. Um, I think I think the way we try to make it manageable is by being, and I think that's something that initiative has always been very strong at, is by managing, you know, a client focus with a product focus. Um, and it's very hard to do both. Um, it's easy to be very client focused and change a product all the time or be very product-focused, but would be inflexible to clients. Um, but we've always been very good at that. I actually think that's one of initiative's superpowers. And so, so that's something we, we we definitely have continued. Over the last year, we've invested a ton in our product. And by product, I mean, what is our point of view of marketing with Fame and Flow? How do you flesh out how that really works? So we what, what are the mechanics behind building Fame, building Flow? And how how do you let that inform the tools that you put in your people's hands every day, right? Um, and I think if you if you manage to have a product that is repeatable, that learns from the best practices from clients, and if you spend a lot of time on that, pitching becomes a lot easier um, because mm-hmm. you have a product, you have a point of view. You don't need to spend your time, you know, reinventing it. You just need to understand your client's business and apply it, apply it to it. And that's 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 really been our focus
0: hmm. So talk about how you landed on that positioning and like what it means and yeah. how, how it's resonating with clients.
1: Yeah, it's great. I'm actually super excited about it because it, it is resonating very well. I mean, we started actually with with um, with sort of uh, um, uh, a, a little exercise internally to, to think about, OK, well, what are the big trends in media today? And um, which was an interesting exercise as well, which you we can talk about also. But then we looked at sort of what's, yeah. what's the cultural tension that, that is happening right now in our space where we can meaningfully contribute and what is our best self that, that we've always been as, 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 uh, as initiative, right? The cultural tension uh, we, we that, that became very clear and that shouldn't surprise anybody is that, you know, we're living in a world where the media eco- ecosystem is pretty pretty fragile and we have lots of platforms that, you know, their business model Um, uh, is basically predicated on monetizing content and grabbing people's attention. And the way that you can grab people's attention is, you know, through often divisive concept content right so so that mm-hmm. is that is obviously happening um you know that's a real threat not just to our industry but i think to you know society at large the culture at large and that is being exacerbated by you know the drive to performance marketing right so a lot of a lot of the, the dollars are moving into performance a lot of performance mo- dollars are moving into platforms that aren't necessarily incentivized to unite people but let me put it that mm-hmm. way um, so, so that's, that's sort of the big cultural tension. And then our best self has always been about, you know, taking the initiative in culture. So that landed us on a, on a proposition, um, a purpose for our company, which is, which is really about, you know, I think the world would, would be a better place if marketers sort of balance what unites people and what makes them special. Both of them are, 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 important, right? What makes them, very nice people and what makes them different. But uniting people, you do that by creating fame for, for brands and, you know, um, Make that, you know, doubling down on what makes people different, which is very important for brands as well, is by creating customer flow, right? So, fame and flow became the articulation of, of, of our offering. And, you know, I really like fame. Fame is, is, is a, not personally, but, but, uh, but, you know, <laughs> from a brand's perspective, um, you know, there's so much research that's happened over the last couple of years, um, around fame, uh, that shows that it's, you know, it's a key ingredient. In keeping brands fresh, in keeping brands top of mind, in creating mental availability. So it's a, uh, um, uh, it's not just a key ingredient. I think it is the key ingredient. Um, you know, there's plenty of evidence from you know the likes of Byron Sharp to you know Binet and Fields. You know, I like the writings of Paul Feldwick. He's written two books about it. It's a really interesting concept. It's been around for a long time, but there is not a lot of sort of research or there's not a lot of models behind fame. So we've done a lot of work. To really try and understand you know what builds brand fame and then also correlate that to business performance and you know there's plenty of evidence in the market now that that shows the real business power of driving driving fame Uh, which is funny right because fame is a bit of a dirty word sometimes because it's it it doesn't sound serious or it's 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 a word you know it's hard to as as a as a cmo to go to you know your board um, you know, it's usually still made up of, of people predominantly of no marketing background saying, I want to create fame, but, <laughs> but, but if you yeah. objectively look at the signs, you know, fame is actually very, very important. So I like, I like that tension and then flow flow, um, I think is, is a much. You know, more holistic way of looking at performance marketing, right? And performance marketing is not at, it's not all about just that last click. It's about really thinking about the customer's experience. And, and developing media uh, uh, experiences and content um, that are appropriate for each stage of the customer journey, so you basically create that sort of seamless flow of a consumer through the journey. Yeah. So it's these these two ingredients, and especially how they work together.
0: Well, I'm curious how they work together because to me, it's sort of like fame seems sort of like the linear, like mass reach, like building you know awareness and connection, and then flow is more of the performance targeted personalized journeys that, that people are on today. So how do you integrate the two? Like, do you have teams working together on on those different areas based on clients? Like, how do you make sure that the fame and the flow are getting integrated?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a little bit, that's a little bit the problem with, with, with this division of brand and performance is that, that that brand is often often seen as sort of very linear, top down. And it really isn't, right? Mm-hmm. Before, when we did the work around, around fame, there's sort of four four components of it that, um, that, that are, that are, that came out of, that, that built fame and, uh, we call them the four fame Fs, you know, familiarity, which is all, which is more about sort of traditional awareness, um, favorability, um, you know, which is more, which is more appealing to the rational side of the brain. Uh, but feelings very important as well, right? Again, if, if you think about the world of Iron Sharp and mental availability. So many decisions are being made by consumers, not based on rational decision making, right? Actually, mm-hmm. emotions play a much bigger role in decision making than rational, rational way of way of thinking. And um, uh, and and that's really interesting, right? So that's all about creating sort of an emotional connection with your consumers. So so you get you create these sort of mental shortcuts um, uh, that drive. Decision making um, um, uh, in, in many of the cases for many of the clients that we work for, uh, and then fervor is yeah. the, the, the fourth one, which again fervor is not is, is is hugely underappreciated. I think in terms of building brands, right in, in the traditional traditional way, how do you keep how do you make sure that people talk about your brand, that it stays fresh, that it stays out there? We have a lot to learn from the entertainment industry, I think, as marketers, mm. uh, which is very important as well. So I think fame is is much more you know, complex and, and much more interesting than just sort of the top-down, you know, Ida approach of, of, the, of the funnel.
0: Yeah, no, for sure.
1: And then the same thing, the same thing if you start to really flesh out what flow looks like, we have we have four of flow as well, findability, fascination, facilitation, um, and following. Gotta go brand it. First. I'm not go, I'm gonna go through all of it You gotta brand it, but, but they are actually the attributes that make <laughs> it up. Um, uh, and yeah. uh, you, 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 see that, that, you see that again, that is not a different world. There's, you know, fervor and following, you could look at those as two sides of the same coin, right. Um, uh, feeling and fascination. You can look at those, those two sides of the same coin as well. So there's much more, um, uh, interplay between these two than, you know, what the traditional sort of brand versus performance model would, would suggest. mm
0: We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more campaign chemistry. You mentioned before going through this exercise of doing like looking at the biggest media trends. So like, what were some of the things that stood out to you? I know we talked a little bit about misinformation yeah, uh, and division, but what were some of the other things that you're, are really top of mind for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, it was interesting going through that exercise. Um, uh, there were sort of three things that we took away for us as, a, as an agency. The first one is to have pride in media. We are media agencies, but if you look at all media agencies uh, you look at the, the, the competitive positionings, nobody talks about media anymore. It's like everybody's a growth consultant or a trans, trans, transformation architect, or, uh, but very few people talk about media. I actually think, you know, media, we, we shouldn't be afraid to talk about media. I think we should be proud of, 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 of media. Uh, media agencies should double down on media because media sort of hits the beating heart of culture. It's a very, you know, exciting space to be in um and um and so that why do you somewhere. think
0: they're not
1: I, I think every every media agency has you know as they're looking for different ways to grow um you know has aspirations to move upstream right um mm-hmm. and, and and i think we can move upstream as agencies um which sort of lets which which you know we spend a lot of time thinking about as well, well what's the right you know space for a media agency to to play in um, a space that pushes us that uses that uses our media superpowers because I really believe that media agencies have superpowers that are very relevant for the future um, you know what's a what's a place we can credibly own right one that pushes us but it's not too far removed from what we do today so that you know it's not credible anymore um, you know I, I don't I, I I love growth you know I, I think we have we are key ingredients and key, key contributor to growth um, you know, can a media agency credibly go to a CMO and say, We we will be your growth um, uh, architect? I don't know. I think you you know there's plenty of players there, that that's a busy space. But but can we so we landed on this space of orchestration more? I think that's more of an interesting space for me to mm-hmm. see something that we can credibly own, right? You know, that's a, a big question CMOs are dealing with is like how do I orchestrate, you know, all my marketing assets across You know, products, geographies, segments. That's a you know that keeps them up at night, and that's something we can we can help CMOs with, right? Because we sit on all the data, we know we understand the audiences better than anybody else. We already spend a big a big chunk of their budget on behalf of them. I think that's a richer space that we can we can credibly own. So so I think I think you know in 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 doing so, I I think agencies, media agencies, should pick something that is aspirational. It's a little bit that is beyond media, because I think we can. We can use our media chops beyond media, but don't forget where you come from, right? And it's still very, Mm. very important. Um, There's so much value that we can still deliver for clients by doing media very, very well.
0: Yeah. So when you think about orchestration, is that sort of just like, connect? obviously connecting all the different platforms that, that clients need to use to have a successful media strategy today, but how much does like building technology or working with Knesso uh, or even tools like generative AI play into that as a specialty.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, uh, so, so, so if you talk about orchestration first, what, what what that actually means, and then we can talk about you know, generative AI um, um, as well. But on on, on the orchestration side, um, I mean, first of all, obviously, we need to still be masters at orchestrating media dollars right across platforms, across um, across audiences. Um, across the entire journey of our consumers, but a very natural extension is that is, is looking at other assets that a CMO has to manage. If you think about not just media, but you know you could you could start to think about sponsorship, you could start to think about technology, you, could, you know whatever it is that is on a CMO's balance sheet, almost right. Uh, those are the things we should really look at, right? What can we help them with? Um, in terms in terms of orchestration, so some of these things will be closer to what we do today than others, but that's that's how we're how we're really looking at it. Um, and the orchestration, you know, will be around owned, earned, and paid, not just about just about paid. Um, mm-hmm. So that's orchestration at a macro level. Uh, your your question about AI, you know, that can go in in many in many. I kind of threw that in there, okay. didn't I? But that's okay. Everybody <laughs> does that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's a big, that's
1: a big, uh, that's a big, big topic.
0: It is. And not just a
1: buzzword, right? It's very important. Do, do you want to do it? you want to explore that well, a little? No, I'm
0: actually really curious to get your thoughts on it. Cause I remember like reprise was like one of the first agencies to yeah. hire a chief AI officer. Yeah. This was like a few years ago. So yeah. obviously you've been familiar with the space for a long time. Talk about like where you see it really, um, Applying for our initiative and its clients, like where yeah. do you see the most, the most potential and also maybe the most concern?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got a good memory. You remember that? Yeah. So we hired Vincent, too, <laughs> the chief, chief AI officer at Reprise. And I can't remember now, that was around 2019. And, and and it was very funny. Like he, he was actually the first one to show me GPT, I don't know, two, or maybe it was GPT, and he was excited about GPT two or two, and he was excited by three coming out. And and you know, my my mind was blown when he showed up for the first time. This was yeah, this was maybe three 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 years ago, almost four years ago. Um, and uh, and we, we we were playing around with it quite a bit at Reprise. We you know looking at it, looking at how we could help us write um, search copy for both SEO and for paid, for example. And so we've we've actually continued down that path. Vincent's obviously still with us. He's now um, at a product at, um, at Kineso. Um, and you know he's, he 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 keeps pushing pushing the agenda. We're we're now looking looking at at the generative AI um, sort of through three lenses: um, uh, people, process, and, and product. Um, and so. Uh, on the people side, which which I think is actually really interesting, it is it is all about how do you put this technology just in the hands of people and don't think about it too much, right? So, so I I use ChatGPT all the time now. Over the last twelve months, you know, it's completely infiltrated my workflow. But not everybody is doing. How more. do
0: you use it?
1: I use it for, you know, to, you know, so much of, of, of my job today is about communicating, right? Like I'm, I'm not writing my emails um, with ChatGPT, with, with, with but, but I, I do use it to, you know, to, to, to assist writing, to assist with mm-hmm. writing bigger documents, right? So I'm, I'm not native English speaker, so it saves me a mm-hmm. lot of time to be able to use a tool like that to just write in proper English. And uh, so that's one thing I use it for ideation as well right? Like, um, it's a, it's a, it's the perfect sparring partner for, for, for ideating as well. Um, if you're trying to tell stories and communicate things to people. So I, I, use it, I use it quite, quite, quite a bit. Uh, but you see, and, but, but that's, I've always been interested in that kind of stuff. Um, but, but you see different levels of adoption, um, throughout the company, right. And, and, and just in general, I think, and, uh, and, and, and I, and, So one of the things we're doing, um, right now is we basically have made, um, you know, the chat GPT functionality available to every employee, um, in obviously a secure environment, right. Um, um, and then just, just see what happens. Um, and you basically... you, you start to teach people and how to do prompt engineering and how to integrate it in their workflow. And I think that's, that's even very exciting. You don't need to build products. Yeah. You just make it available and, and see what happens. And then basically, you know, you start to cross train people on, on what, what the applications are that, that are most interesting. So that's sort of the first thing It's just put it in the hands of, of, of the army of people you have and see what happens, which is very interesting. Um, The second, the second layer, the second layer is about process, right? So that is about how do you use that technology much more in a much more focused manner. So you focus it on the business processes that you have as an agency that take up most of the time, right? And so that gets you in the realm of RPA robotic process automation. So that's marrying, you know, business process engineering with, with, with generative AI. Uh, So we've done a lot of work over the last two years. You know, um, at media brands in general um, in this space, right? So, what are the processes? You, you can basically boil down the, pro- the, the the process of a media agency in, in in a standardized set of processes, right? And then you can mm. really start to tackle them heads on. You know, what are the ones where AI can make the biggest impact in terms of you know reduction of labor, reduction of error, um, and all of that? So that's that's a really interesting space, and that requires hard work as a company. It's very different from the From the from the people layer, I described where you just put the hands Mm. into the tools in the people's hands to see what happens. This is much more deliberate um, and really focusing it on your core business processes. And then the third one is is products, right? How how can generative AI help you uh, build products as an agency? And and I've been I was very excited about that uh, when Vincent first showed me a couple of years ago generative AI. I said like Oh my god, we can build products like that." He was not excited about it. Which was, which was weird. Mm. And, um, and I remember asking him and I was like, well, well, why wouldn't we double down on that? And he's like, the problem is by the time you've built this thing into a, a software product and have trained people on it, the technology has moved on so fast that your product is obsolete. And that's mm. it's kind of scary, but it's true in a way um you know uh, uh, so so that's 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 uh that's that's gonna be that's a challenge I think for people who are really looking at this technology and trying to turn it into a software product right I mm-hmm. I remember back then there was a company called copy.ai I don't, I don't know if they're still around um but they were pretty they, they had some big funding back then I think they generated a couple of million mm-hmm. of seed funding and that was you know it'll be your copywriter and that was an interesting proposition you know, with the first version of, 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 GPT, but now. You know, everybody can just use chat GPT for it. Right. So, so that product almost becomes obsolete. I'm sure yeah. they're doing well, I'm not sure I haven't checked on them, but, but I think from product development perspective, it's really interesting that this technology is moving so quickly that you got to really think about, you know, uh, you got to really think about what are the things that can make this, that can give this product longevity by looking at the people mm-hmm. you bring to it as a media agency. So we have a few of those, but but that hasn't taken up off. The, the, the focus has been really more on processing people.
0: Mm. And so how do you see the process stuff impacting people? Cause I, I'm assuming the process stuff is about automating a lot of things. Um, how do you see it reshaping roles in the media agency?
1: It will, and I think our people will be happy about that. I mean, we hire, you know, very smart people um, and then, you know, for the first couple of years in their, in their career, they, they, they spend in Excel hell, right. You know, they're, they're doing a lot of very mm-hmm. manual work that sucks the joy out of, out of, out of, out of life. So, you know, I, 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 I think the walls will change. Um, um, I, I, actually, I think our people are, are ready for that, um, uh, it, it will change the, the, the nature of the work we do in, in, in media and it'll focus it more on the upstream kind kind of work, which is what, that's what our people are qualified for, right? Um, so mm-hmm. so I think it'll have a profound impact and you can see it already, um, but I think in a, mostly in a positive way.
0: Well, Dimitri, I feel like I could talk to you about AI for hours, but unfortunately we have to We have to end here. Thank you so much for your time and for joining me. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Allison. That was fun.
0: That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening to Campaign Chemistry. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and head to campaignlive.com for all the latest news on advertising and marketing.